Welcome, listeners, to another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love, hosted by Richard Osler. In On our podcast, um, In My Home, is our guest for today's podcast, my friend Justice Burt. Welcome to the podcast, Justice. Thanks for having me. I met Justice as I was asked to speak at the Salt Lake Community College Institute, where Brother Christensen is doing and has now completed an LGBTQ workshop, which is a series of five classes that were open to Salt Lake Community College Institute students. And that's where I met Justice. He's attending that class. And I point that out just to um, um, share that institutes are doing a lot of work in the space of being LDS and LGBTQ. I'm aware of you. BU Institute, of Jordan Institute. And um, so I just, you know, I think that's something that can be scaled into our congregations, into our stakes, as we're just doing a better job of ministering to LGBTQ Latter-day Saints, and perhaps more importantly, hearing their voices and a better understanding their contributions to create Zion. Um, Justice is 20. He is a convert to the church, baptized two years ago in December of 2019. Congratulations. Thank you. He um, identifies as gay and queer interchangeably. Um, after he joined the church, he'll talk about sort of his coming out process and also to join the church, coming from really a place of non-belief, agnostic, I think, and then why the church works for him. We'll also talk a little bit towards the end of the podcast of sort of going into a less active, darker place and um, also then talking about how he worked himself out of that to become active again. And he'll end with his, what he is calling his queer testimony. And I love just that phrase, my queer testimony, because that infers um, a lot of ownership in who you are. Um, is that okay for an introduction, Justice? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll just let you start. Introduce, you know, a little bit of background of where you were raised, what your major is, and some of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, well, uh like Richard so kindly said, I am a um, I'm a student at Salt Lake Community College currently. Um, I am in the American Sign Language Interpreting Program there. Um, hoping to graduate in two or three years' time with my degree in interpreting. Um, I was born here in Utah, um, up in Logan, and I um, very quickly moved um, after that to Nevada, lived there for um, a few years, but I did spend most of my life in Germany, actually. Um, my dad worked for the army um, over there. So that's where I spent the vast majority of my formative years. Um, moved back to Utah a little over three years ago now, um, right smack in the middle of high school. So that that's, was fun. That's not easy. What part of Germany did you live in? Um, it was in the state called Rheinland-Pfalz. Um, it's in the southeast. It's about an hour away from Frankfurt. That's okay. like the biggest city near there. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, grew up there. Um, I loved it over there. You know, uh, living in Europe was dream come true. Definitely would love to go back one day. Um, so just, that's just a little bit of background about me, um, kind of starting off my journey as a, you know, queer Latter-day Saint. Um, I, uh, came out as queer long before I was a Latter-day Saint or a Christian of any kind. Um, I came out in the sixth grade. I was 12 years old. Um, 
I remember I came out kind of as a joke because um, I, I had a friend who I would, you know, we would tease each other all the time and just um, goof off in class when we weren't wanting to pay attention. Um, and one day I turned to him. Um, this was like first period, um, just on a random day. I wasn't planning on like coming out, but I looked at him and I was like, I was like, hey, guess what? Um, I'm gay. And I, I just said it without thinking. And then it was right after I said it that I kind of realized I'm like, oh, wait, that's true. <laughs> I hadn't fully like processed that for myself yet. Um, so I came out pretty young. How did you know that was true, even though it was kind of an, in a flippant moment? Because um, some listeners would probably be curious, even at age 12, you knew that was true. Mm-hmm. It just, um, after after I said the words, it kind of just, I don't know, it just hit me all at once. Um, just the, because I, up until that point, I had kind of been like wrestling with those feelings, um, just being like, oh, like, could I be gay? No, it's fine. I'm sure, you know, all straight men have like crushes on their guy friends. Like, it's just like a normal part of growing up. So it was very much just um, in denial about it and not really wanting to like deal with that because I knew that was just going to be a whole can of worms that little 12 year old me was not wanting to deal with at the time. Um, so, but as soon as I said the words, it was just, um, like the, the best thing I can equate it to is just kind of a spiritual confirmation of just, Oh, like, I know this is true and I can't deny it anymore or at least deny it anymore and not suffer for that. Good job. Good job explaining that justice. Um, so yeah, uh, came out, um, I am blessed that I have very, uh, a very supportive family. Um, I, I came out to my mom actually, and she kind of said something along the lines of like, yeah, I figured. Um, so I, I'm, I'm blessed that I, um, didn't have much strife there. Um, and uh, my, yeah, my parents are supportive. My whole family has been supportive over, you know, the last eight, nine years, whatever it is now. Um, and uh, it actually kind of, um, me coming out kind of like boosted my, you know, quote unquote popularity in my middle school because I was the gay kid all of a sudden, the only one. Um, I went to a pretty small middle school. There was like, I think 80 of us in my, um, in my class. So were you in an American school? I was. Yeah. yeah. So you weren't with, yeah. Just yeah, wondering I went about to, the dynamics of your education mm-hmm. in Germany. Yeah. I went to, um, yeah, I went to school on base. Um, mm-hmm. so it was, um, all Americans, all, you know, fellow military brats, um, definitely an interesting environment because, you know, just military life, people moved in and out constantly. So everything was always kind of in flux. Um, I was one of the very few people because my dad was not a service member. He's a civilian working for the military. I was there for eight years, whereas most people were there for maybe two max. Um, I realize you can't speak for all of military culture and you're a middle student, but any feelings for just the culture, you're, you're gay. Mm-hmm. 
um, in a middle school in a military environment. And wow. you're sharing with our listeners that that was um, a supportive environment. It was, yeah. Um, and some people might think the military would be sort of this macho guy thing that uh-huh. would not be supportive. Yeah, um, I, I've i definitely, um, you're not the first person to point that out to me when I say like that I had a, a, a positive initial coming out experience in the military community I was in because people are like, oh, you, you know, like you said, it that doesn't quite make sense sometimes. Um, but in my experience, the, the military, just because it's so diverse, there's people from, you know, all walks of life, all parts of our country. Um, there's, there's just so many different kinds of people in the military. I think people just, you kind of, you get over it really quick. You, um, especially if you are a service member, you gotta, you know, learn to get along with people in order to be effective at your job. So I think that definitely, um, that definitely helped my coming out experience. Cause it was just kind of a, it was just kind of a non-issue beyond the fact that I was, you know, a hot commodity for being the only out gay kid at the time. Great insights. I like your phrase, get over it. And I, I recognize a lot of times we create social structure around common interests, common beliefs, mm-hmm. political parties, faiths, but the military would be different. We create common interest about serving in the military, defending our country. And I like sometimes justice, these broader circles that bring us together. Um, and we learn to embrace diversity because it helps us be better. Mm-hmm. I think the military is stronger because of its diversity. Mm-hmm. And that hasn't weakened our military, and we bring the gifts and contributions of all military men and women to our to the military. But that's a different podcast, listeners. <laughs> so we'll go back to justice. Is still um, in junior high in Germany, so we'll let you continue. Perfect. Um, so, so yeah, I um, after coming out, I uh, kind of had to, you know, realize and figure out what it meant to be gay and what it meant to be an openly, you know, queer person in, in today's world. Um, and that was, and still is a very steep learning curve, um, for a really, really long time. Um, being gay was like, I, I think of it as, um, as it was my one personality trait. That's how I say it, you know, just everything I did related back to my sexuality. And it was, it was just kind of, the one thing everyone knew about me. So I just like embraced it and didn't, um, you know, didn't really let myself uh, develop beyond that. Um, So, um, but as I, as I grew up, um, you know, went out of middle school and into high school, I, I definitely grew out of that, um, quite a bit and, uh, kind of realized that, oh, well, my sexuality is, it's a part of me that I love. And it's a part of me that, you know, I'm not ashamed of. Um, but it's also not all of me. Um, realizing that was a really, it was a really eye-opening experience. Um, that just kind of, it let me figure out who I am, outside of, you know, being queer, which I think is an important thing because, you know, we're humans, we're multifaceted. (laughs) 
Um, That's kind of ironic um, because a lot of um, queer people at, at that at your age, that's the one thing people don't know about them. Mm-hmm. And they're keeping that to themselves, maybe not even being honest with themselves. But your story is different. It's the one thing that people know about you. and But you learned to grow beyond that, just like someone who perhaps it's the one thing people don't know about them. They learn if it's appropriate and they feel it's their path to share that with other people. Mm-hmm. Every story is different. This is different in that regard, <laughs> Justice. Keep sharing your story. Um, so, uh, and then kind of getting into the start of my faith journey, um, uh, around the same time that I was, you know, coming out and like figuring myself out. Um, I also, um, you know, middle school is that time where you're full of very strong opinions that are not your own. You know, you're just a sponge for the opinions of those around you. Um, and I, um, when it, came um, to religion, I um, definitely absorbed the kind of popular, you know, belief of, oh, well, of course there's no God. Um, And I was a very, for a while, I was a very, very militant um, atheist, as as militant as a, you know, seventh grader can be with that. Um, And... I was especially very, very anti-LDS um, just because people in, you know, my family circle and those around me had have not had the best experience when it comes to the church in their own personal life. And so I kind of just grew up around that um, and didn't never had a very positive opinion of um of our, of this church, like at all. And, um, so I, I was, I was one of those kids that would be like, hear about those, what those crazy Mormons are doing. They like baptize dead people. Like I very much was on that path. Um, and, um, over time, um, you know, as I matured similar with my sexuality, that, that softened into, um, me just becoming very agnostic just, and it was, it was very much just a, I don't really care. Like, I don't know what's happening, but it's not something I want to put the effort into like thinking of quite yet, you know, cause I was like in ninth grade and dumb, <laughs> like I don't, I don't have time to figure out my, um, you know, thoughts on how the universe works. So, um, so yeah, and then I, like I said, I moved back to Utah right before my junior year of high school. Um, and I was really, really nervous to move to Utah just because because of my opinion of the church, to be quite honest. It was, I did not want to be a queer person surrounded by Mormonism. That was not something I was interested in. I was dreading it, to be quite honest. Um, so yeah, I had a lot of, a lot of trepidation before this move. Um, and also, you know, just moving continents is, is rough. So it was just, um, an added layer there. Um, thanks for being honest. Just how you feel. Appreciate mm -hmm. that. Um, but yes, I, uh, started my junior year of high school, um, 
I got involved in my school. I did theater. I did, um, I started learning American Sign Language fully that, you know, helped me um, lead to my current major. Um, I did student government. Um, and I uh, started making, you know, friends. Uh, my my friend group from that junior year is still my my core friend group now. So um, it was a really good, good year in that regard. Um, yeah, and at that point, I was, you know, not really giving faith or religion much thought. I was, you know, too busy being a high school student and worrying about, like, you know, cute boys and things like that. Um, and uh, one of the friends that I made that junior year, um, he he's my current best friend. Um, he, uh, when As we were becoming friends, we met in my school's theater department. And as we were becoming friends, he was preparing to serve a mission. Um, and I didn't know what that meant. Like, I knew what a mission was. I knew it was, you know, you go away for two years and you knock on doors. Um, but I didn't understand why someone would do that. Um, I could not wrap my head around why that sounds interesting to anyone ever. Um, and as we became, you know, closer friends, um, I learned more about what he was doing to prepare for his mission and more about his faith and through his church, through just kind of a, a natural osmosis of um, information. And um, in an effort to better understand what he was going through so I could, you know, hopefully better support him as a friend and also just my natural curiosity, um, I started asking him questions. You know, he would he would say something like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go be ordained an elder. And I and I would say, OK, what does that mean? Um, and he would explain it. So it was just those um, just kind of a natural progression of, you know, um, of just learning more and more information about uh, this church and through his experience, especially. Um, the one that sticks out for for me is kind of the what I consider like the true beginning of my personal faith journey is one day um, we were driving home um, and he, I looked over at him and I said, okay, so explain baptisms for the dead. Cause I don't, that sounds weird. Like I've never understood it. So what's up? Um, and he did, you know, he, ex he explained it to me. He, you know, explained the, like the, um, rough outline of like the plan of salvation. And, you know, he's like, I believe X, Y, Z. Um, so this is why we do, um, proxy baptisms. Um, and that moment kind of, um, was the catalyst to me shifting my opinion about the church. Um, cause at that point I was still very much against, um, just like in my heart of hearts, just like, oh no, like this is bad. This isn't for, you know, me. I don't think this is like a good organization, a good group of people. Um, but that, um, shifted it into me just kind of realizing, oh, this is just a, f a faith like any other. 
you know, it's not inherently good or bad. It's just different. And I have a lot of preconceived notions about it that I need to work through because I am not probably not correct with a lot of them. Um, so, um, after, um, not, not after that conversation necessarily, but, um, over the course, this was over the course of a few months that I, you know, was learning more and more about, um, this church and, um, you know, the Latter-day Saint faith. Um, I just kind of fell down a rabbit hole of looking into religion in general. Um, I, um, you know, I started learning about Buddhism, Hinduism, Judaism, Islam, all of the many different sects of Christianity. Um, and like in the back of my head, I started playing around with the idea of, oh, is this, is being part of a faith group something that I want to look into? Because at that point, I had never really, you know, thought about it. Um, religion was always very something outside of my, you know, sphere of comfort. So I never really considered I never thought for a moment that I would become religious. Um, and uh, eventually, um, about September um, of 2019, I decided, you know what, screw it. I'm just going to give it a shot, see what happens. Um, and at that point, I... At that point, I, I had, I had had the thought of, um, oh, wouldn't it be funny if I became a Mormon, um, type of thing. And, but it was always something like, like I, I would have the thought and then, you know, I'd quickly dismiss them. Like, no, that there's no way that's going to happen. Um, since then, I've kind of realized that that thought was like, oh, that was definitely the spirit pushing me in a, in the direction I needed to be going. But, you know, at the time, I did not have the capacity to understand that. Um, and so I, I just I didn't think there was any world where um, I would join you know, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, that was not a reality um, for me. And I didn't think Christianity in general was, you know, going to be the religion, if any, that was going to work for me as I was looking through, you know, um, all of these different religions, just because um, the queer spaces that I came up in and that I, you know, became a part of, um, it was very much... Um, religion, especially Christianity, was seen as a very negative thing. You know, I you would hear stories all the time of uh, queer people with religious trauma from, you know, their local church and just horror stories, quite frankly, um, of the experiences that they that they went through with religion and how they were, you know, freed when they left, you know, their, their congregation. Um, so it, it, that kind of established in my head of, um, the idea that 
Christianity and being queer were not compatible. They, those two things could not overlap. Um, and if you were, and if you were going, and if you were a queer person who wanted to be Christian, then you were expected to, you know, go through like conversion therapy or, you know, try to act normal, quote unquote, you know, and you know, just a comment. That's really interesting. Um, and a lot of people on the podcast obviously have grown up with religion in their life and are coming mm-hmm. to terms with their sexuality. But here you are um, coming to terms with your sexuality pretty early and owning that in a mm-hmm. very good and appropriate way. And then being open to religion in your life, but being educated enough, I guess, is a good word or just aware enough to know there's a lot of religious trauma. That's absolutely true. Mm-hmm. You're not making this up there are stories out there of religious trauma about being queer and christian Mm -hmm. and you're pretty thoughtful guy it just seems like you would logically well i'm i i am blessed so to speak that's a religious term to avoided that i'm not Mm -hmm. sure i want to proactively step in that exactly and it's just a unique story of you you're pretty well informed you're pretty thoughtful um and so I get why you're saying, you know, I would be naturally nervous about entering that sphere. So mm-hmm. um, keep sharing your story, Justice. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you hit the nail on the head exactly. Um, it was very much just a, oh, I, you know, lucked out. This isn't a struggle I have to deal with. And, you know, in my head back then, it was, thought it was something I would never have to deal with. Um, So, uh, I was going through this faith journey, looking into all these different religions. Um, I, you know, was reaching out to a few, uh, you know, uh, faith leaders of, you know, various denominations. I'm just kind of like learning more, seeing what fit. And, um, there was, there was one day where I was texting with, um, my friend that I learned all of that I was, you know, learning all of this stuff about the church from. Um, he was on his mission at this point. So it was on one of his P days. And um, I, to this day, do not know, you know, the rationale behind why I asked this. It wasn't kind of like my um, coming out. It wasn't something I planned. It was just, it just happened. Um, kind of, it's still something I, you know, I think back on and I'm like, why did I do that? Because I, it was not like a conscious thought or decision. Um, but I asked him, you know, I said, so I'm looking into religion and um, because you know me and you know your church, I mean, you're quite literally on a mission for your church right now. Um, do you think it'd be worthwhile for me to meet with missionaries? Um, and of course he said what any good missionary would say, which is yes, absolutely. Um, and he, he said, he said, yeah, absolutely. I'll, um, I'll send in a referral and then, you know, the local, your local missionaries can, you know, get in contact with you and, you know, you can meet them and, you know, see if it fits for you. And I said, great. Um, and he said, you'll hear from him sometime in the next week. Um, Week went by. I heard nothing from anyone. Um, then on, on his next P-Day, he texted me and he said, so I didn't 
send in a referral, but you won't be mad when you find out why. And I said, okay. Um, and he had had a conversation with his mission president um, and his mission president had given him permission to teach me. That's um, cool. Yeah. Um, so he, um, so my, you know, my best friend got to be my missionary um, uh, and my, my teacher in, you know, those beginning stages of my conversion, um, which is, it's, it's really, really cool um, to think about. It's, it's something um, still to this day, like we look at each other and we're like, we're like that happened. Like that was a real experience that um, we got to go through together. Um, so, so I, I did that. I, you know, I started meeting with, with the missionaries. Um, and I quite honestly going into that first lesson, especially I expected it to be a, Oh, I'm going to meet with them like two or three times. And honestly, now that my friend is my missionary, it's going to be mainly like a, oh, this is fun. Like I get to talk to my friend, you know, something I didn't think I'd be able to do for two years. Um, and I get to like have like a real conversation with him. Um, and that, that was my mentality going into that first missionary lesson. Um, and I remember we were... Um, it was, it was over like Facebook video messenger or something. This was, this is pre COVID. So, you know, zoom lessons weren't really a thing yet. And, um, we, you know, it was, it was just very introductory. They were just trying to find out why I was looking into faith and things like that. Um, and I, I don't even remember, my answers to any of their questions. Um, but, uh, the one thing I do remember from that first lesson is, um, at one point near the end, um, my friend, he, he looked at me, he said, uh, justice, I, I can promise you something. Um, by the end of this journey, you will have the answers you're looking for. Um, and that, he said those words and, um, I got this funny feeling in my chest. Um, and I got really, really quiet and, um, they, you know, they kept talking for a little bit, um, both of the elders. And at one point they stopped and they said, like, what's going on? Like, you're, you just seem really quiet. Like, are you thinking about something? And I just said, oh yeah, I'm just like having this, you know, weird feeling that I'm trying to like identify, um, after like it happened right after you said those words. Um, and that's when I consciously, you know, felt the spirit for the first time was in that very first missionary lesson. Um, and they, um, the elders, you know, explained what the spirit was and that that's, that was what they assumed I was feeling. And, um, I, as they were talking about that, I, the feeling came back and, um, that quite honestly was shocking because I didn't know what it meant. Um, I didn't, I didn't understand it. I had never, I'd never felt anything like it before. Um, all I knew is that I, you know, deep down in my soul, I knew it was a good thing 
Um, so that is kind of what kept me going, you know, through my, through my missionary lessons. I always say I just kind of, you know, have, I felt the spirit that first missionary lesson and I've just been chasing it ever since. That's a really fascinating segment. Um, I love that the missionaries um, got permission to teach you. A priesthood leader taught me about the principle of exception is that we have rules and processes and procedure. We're a big church. Um, But times we um, are open to the principle of exception. And this, I don't know if this was normal standing operating procedure to do this or if this was an exception. Mm -hmm. But I love that there was a lack of rigidity that allowed this experience to happen so that your friend and his companion could teach you via Facebook Messenger. Mm-hmm. And and why not? Mm-hmm. I mean, when you step back and you step back to the rules, who would be better qualified to teach you the gospel mm-hmm. than this, your friend who's been set apart to do this very thing that knows you and you have that existing trust? So that seems like just a no-brainer, and I'm glad that um, wise minds and the Spirit prevailed allowed that to happen. I love this um, invite that they gave. It's really, to me, trusting the Spirit. It's trusting you. It's not prescriptive. Um, uh, I'll read it back as you wrote it down um, for our outline. Mm-hmm. By the end of this journey, you will find your answers. I love that, and I love the impression, the feeling that that created within you. Um, that's a great line. So that's, and you use the rabbit hole. The rabbit hole way back earlier mm-hmm. is usually kind of used in a, but that's what you did. You went down the rabbit hole to figure out religion and the rabbit hole can be a good thing or a bad thing. Um, but I like the way that you use that term in that context. So, okay. So now you're taking the discussions, you're feeding the spirit, you're having multiple lessons. Mm-hmm. I'll let you continue to share your story. Yeah. Um, so, um, after that lesson, um, it all kind of becomes a blur almost. Um, the next few months were, I don't know, sometimes it feels like a dream, um, just because I, I was doing this thing and I was going down this path and I and I knew where it would I knew where it would end. You know, intrinsically I knew after that first um lesson that I was going to get baptized. But I didn't want to admit that to I didn't want to admit that to my missionaries, I didn't want to admit that to myself um because that had a lot of broader implications that I did not want to deal with. Um, and, you know, my brain kept going back to the, you're a gay man. You cannot, you cannot join this church. Like that's, you can't do that. Um, and so I was, um, my, my poor missionaries, they, I'm, I'm so grateful that they, you know, exercise patience with me because, um, Cause they, they knew the path I was headed on. My, my friend has, has said to me several times, he said, yeah, I knew you were going to get baptized after that first, 
um, after that first lesson, it just it took you a second to let yourself, you know, admit it and let yourself want it. Um, and, and that's absolutely true. I was, um, those next few months, they were, I was learning a lot about the gospel. You know, I, I thought it was all fascinating and I, um, I learned how to pray and I, you know, went through a cycle of, you know, learning a concept and studying it for myself and then praying to know it was true, you know, just following that, um, you know, scriptural, uh, instruction set. And, you know, my, I felt like my testimony was growing every day. Um, I remember at one point, um, my missionary said to me, they said, Justice, you're basically, you're, you're doing, you know, everything like a member would know and you're doing all the things a member would know. Cause at that point I was attending church regularly and I was, you know, living the word of wisdom and the law of chastity and all of those things. Um, and they just said, you're doing all of these things that you're basically a member, just not officially. Like you just haven't been baptized, but you're doing everything that a baptized member of the church would do. Um, and it was um, after that, that I kind of just thought to myself, I'm just like, if I'm doing all of this anyway, we might as well make it official. Um, so uh, December of 2019, uh, three months after, about three and a half months after I started uh, missionary lessons, I was baptized and confirmed uh, a member of the church. Um, and that was a, a whirlwind of an experience. Um, I was, I was 18. I was, it was halfway through my senior year of high school. Um, and I, at that point, I also did not, I still didn't fully understand, you know, I didn't fully understand, uh, what I, I understood what I was doing. I just didn't fully understand why I wanted it so badly. Cause I, I did. And that, like I'd never wanted anything so badly before. And I, that was, it was a really, it was a foreign feeling. Um, so I, I was baptized and confirmed. Um, I, um, after, after that, I kind of realized I'm like, well, I now have to figure out how to be an openly queer member of the church. Cause from the very beginning, I made the conscious decision of me joining this church does not mean I go back in the closet. Like I can't, I can't do that to myself. It's not fair to myself. It's not true um, to myself. And, you know, if I'm going to be striving to be honest and all I do, then I need to be honest about this. Um, let me ask you a question because this is a good, tr I love that you want to, I love what you just said. And I, I think that's the right thing. And I think that's what heavenly parents would expect of you. And you'll probably share that. How much did you being gay come up in the missionary discussions? And did you being gay, was it neutral to you joining the church? Did it make it easier for you to join the church or harder for you to join the church or just neutral in the sense it didn't mm -hmm. make it easier or harder? Um, I think 
I think it definitely, um, it, I think it made it harder just in the sense that, um, just in the sense that it was, um, unexplored territory, not just for me, but from all, cause I did, you know, research, I looked up, you know, testimonies of queer people and like tried to like find other people's stories. Um, but from what I found is that, um, while it was, you know, uncharted waters for me, it was uncharted waters for everyone. And there wasn't, there wasn't a rule book. There wasn't, you know, a set of instructions I could follow, um, about how to make these things work because everyone's experience was so different. Um, and that, you know, I know that, that kind of, that kind of terrified me because I was, you know, as I was learning about the gospel and like working to join the church, um, it, while I was, you know, using my agency and consciously making all of these decisions, it, um, that felt easy almost because it was, you know, it was do this thing and you will receive this blessing, do this thing and you will receive this blessing. It's more, and I know I, um, I don't want to oversimplify the gospel by any means. Um, but it was more of a, I could see that path clearly, but then when you added in my sexuality, the path became hazy. Um, did the missionary say anything that was helpful during this time? There's and there's really no training I'm aware of in the for missionaries teaching uh-huh. queer investigators. So it's kind of just their own experiences, and that can be good and bad. They uh-huh. may bring really homophobic or really helpful comments to uh-huh. the process. Do you remember anything they said that was helpful? Or did this come up a lot or just kind of keep it to yourself as you were? This is partly just for others that want to do the right thing right. with investigators. Yeah, Um I think um, um, first of all, I want to say my my missionaries, um, the the main two elders, including um, my my friend that taught me um, the, uh, I, I love and adore them and um, they've done uh, they've just had such a, a positive influence in my life. Um, uh, when it comes, um, I will say though, when it comes to, um, figuring out the, um, figuring out the intersection of being queer in a Latter-day Saint, especially as I was still an investigator and I was still, you know, going through all the missionary lessons, um, it was, it was a really steep learning curve for them too. Interesting. Um, and which they were, they were honest about, you know, I, I remember, you know, them saying, you know, I don't know how this will work. I just have faith that it will for you, um, kind of thing. And I, I mean, I'll, I'll commend them because they, like they, they were up to the challenge of, you know, learning, um, with, with me specifically. And I think that, you know, um, 
And I, I think that definitely helped them if there were, you know, other people in similar situations throughout the rest of their mission that they, that they dealt with and, you know, taught, um, uh, that they, to me, I'll, I'll rephrase to me, it's a testament to their faith and their, um, willingness to serve others and love thy neighbor, um, that they were willing to, um, you know, take this journey with me because none of us knew what we were doing. It's a really good answer. There's some wonderful principles you communicated of the humility of the missionaries say we don't know. And we, even though we're the missionaries, I think it's good to say we don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, We don't fully understand this. Um, I think we can do a better job, and I'm hoping that stories like yours and others, that we have more training. I know, I don't want to get too sidetracked from your story, but I know mm-hmm. there's missionaries that have gone and are out on their mission. Elder Shane Carpenter and somewhere in California is out. And it's and his mission president is saying, um, instead of not talking about this, will you train the whole mission mm-hmm. um, so we can better um, create Zion? Mm-hmm and eliminate homophobia and transphobia, those comments that sometimes culturally pop up in in groups of people, and maybe more importantly, have better skills to teach LGBTQ investigators. Mm -hmm. And so use his presence in the mission as a positive thing. Um, And how does that make him feel Um, Mm -hmm. versus don't talk about this and just create shame for this part of him? So that's just listeners of, Oh, you know, where I see we can improve. I had a missionary that messaged me and says, how can I communicate to my investigators I'm an ally? And um, we've talked about this before. He, his own leaders wouldn't let him put the pride flag in his <laughs> in his Facebook profile. And I'm not going to debate if that's okay or not. But he did put he, him. Mm-hmm. And that was a pretty, and that would, you would get that. I mean, if you saw pronouns in a missionary's, Facebook page that would communicate that would, that would to you communicate so much that yeah. would communicate so much to you about. And so, and Christ to me was the master of that, um, you know, in his ministry about who he loved and who he accepted. All right. So you're baptized. I'd love to uh-huh. hear, keep telling your story. So, um, after my baptism, um, I, you know, did all the typical, you know, new, new convert things. I, you know, was, um, or I was ordained a priest. I got a, you know, limited use temple recommend, um, did all of those good things. Um, my, my, my Bishop, I'll say my, my first, um, Bishop was, um, so loving and supportive. I, I came out, I don't remember if I came out to him before my baptism or shortly after. Um, but either way it was, um, it was very much uh, a non-issue, you know. I just was like, "I'm gay," and he was like, "Cool." <laughs> like it wasn't um, cool. Yeah, he did. He did say he. He was like, he was like, okay. He's like, um, this, you know, I I've never, uh, you know, presided over uh, a queer person, you know, in my ward before. So uh, forgive me if I'm you know, if I take a second to like figure stuff out, but it was, it was all very, you know, loving and supportive. Um, and I appreciate him a lot for that. Um, so, um, and in the few months after my baptism, I, I kind of, 
um, like looking back on it now, I recognize that I was kind of living two very separate lives almost. Um, I had my, you know, my religious life and my faith, um, you know, on one side and then every, basically every other aspect of my life, all the things, you know, that I consider like secular about myself. Um, you know, my, my friends, my family, my hobbies, um, you know, I kept that on the other side and they were very separate. I did not, um, really mix the two. Um, just cause I think I was scared of me mixing the two and then, you know, me losing something along the way, you know? Um, and I, at a certain point I kind of realized that it was almost harder to come out as, um, you know, as a disciple of Christ than it was to come out as gay. You know, I, didn't talk about it outside of people that shared the same beliefs as me. Um, just because I don't know, just because I was, I think I was scared of being mocked or of people not understanding. And, um, especially in regards to, you know, my sexuality, um, if people knew I was gay and they found out, you know, I joined the church, you know, I, I don't know. I didn't want them to think I was a crazy person right. <laughs> for doing that. Right. Um, so I kind of decided, you know, cause it was my, it was my senior year. Um, I was just, I decided I just need to make it to next August, September when I'm going to go to college, I'll be out on my own and I can, you know, live my best gay active member life. Um, and, um, and of course, in the midst of all that COVID hit, which, um, uh, was fun. Um, and, um, so I started, um, so my senior year got disrupted with COVID and then I started my freshman year of college disrupted by COVID. Um, and, you know, I was moving out on my own while still f being a, you know, recent convert of like six or seven months and, um, moving out of my own, trying to do school, figure out what I want to do. And it was just all of this stuff piled on to each other, um, until it just eventually collapsed. Um, and my mental health took a severe plummet my first semester of freshman year of college. Um, and I, um, I kind of tried to get past all of those, you know, feelings of anxiety and depression um, just any way I could. And I ended up turning to, you know, drugs and alcohol. And, you know, the my roommates at the time were big partiers. So it was very easy for me to, um, you know, just hang out with them and get stoned and not have to like be sad. Um, and that kind of started a really vicious shame spiral, um, in regards to my faith, um, just because, you know, I would, you know, I would 
go out partying and then I'd wake up the next morning and feel terrible and then decide, okay, now I'm going to, you know, obey the word of wisdom again and like, you know, do all the things. And then that would last a little while. And then I'd, you know, go partying again because I was sad and it was just a whole not great situation for me. Um, and at a certain point, um, just as that got worse and worse, I just fully dropped my faith. Um, and cause in my head it was like, well, if these, cause I, because I knew at that point my like drug and alcohol use and my faith were incompatible. Um, but the drugs and alcohol were what was like making me not sad. So I, you know, left my faith behind, um, and when it was inactive for a number of months, um, and being inactive did not help my mental health much to my surprise. Shocker. I know. Um, and I, I, at the time I dropped my faith, I, I would still feel the spirit every once in a while. It wasn't, you know, I definitely was not a place where the spirit was my constant companion, but, um, I would have moments where, um, you know, I'd be doing something I shouldn't or something that was, you know, against my baptismal covenants or whatever it may be. And, um, you know, I, the spirit would come to me and be like, Hey, why are you doing this? Or like, knock it off or like whatever it may be. Um, and I just, you know, would do everything I could to ignore that feeling because, you know, I was not coping well with my emotions. Um, and at that point, um, it also, um, I kind of, I kind of like got into a mindset of like, what was I thinking? Like, why did I think getting baptized was a good idea? Like, and those same thoughts of like, oh, I'm a gay man. I sh- should never have done this. This is not, you know, this can't be the life I want, blah, 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 blah. Um, but then um, I kept thinking back to my, uh, you know, those early days of my conversion when I was still going through missionary lessons. And I had a lot of insanely strong like spiritual experiences um, that I could not deny, no matter how hard I wish I, no matter how much I wish I could, um, I I could not deny deny them. I still cannot deny them. Um, um, there's something that have that have um, helped form the the base of my testimony and just you know strengthen that foundation. Um, just because I know no matter what else that I know that those experiences happened and that, you know, I felt the spirit and I can't, there's no other explanation for it. Um, so I just kept, I kept coming back to, to those moments and, um, you know, this spirit kept, you know, checking in on me. And, um, at a certain point, um, I, decided I was done fighting. Um, uh, 
and I, you know, I gave in to the letting the spirit into my life again. And I opened up to those around me, you know, um, especially my, my, um, my wonderful friends, um, about how I was feeling and what I was going through. Um, and I, um, nice, you know, started to do the work that I needed to do to become active again and to, um, you know, obey the commandments and, you know, uh, live by my covenants and all of those good things. Um, and giving into the spirit just kind of let me realize all of the, let me realize the support systems I already had and let me find new ones, you know, whether that was my friends, family, church leaders, um, medical professionals, you know, to help with, with mental health. Um, and, um, all of that just, um, you know, led to me, I don't know, letting myself fully be the disciple of Christ that I want to be. And, you know, that's a, it's a journey I'm still on and, you know, will be on forever. Um, but yeah, I'm in a, I'm in a much better place now. <laughs> Thanks for the courage to talk about that period of time after your baptism mm -hmm. with alcohol and drugs and not doing what you had originally promised to do. And um, it take you could have left that out of the podcast, Justice, um, but respect for sharing it. I think part, it, it gives hope to others that are in the spot you were in. Mm -hmm. And you said some really interesting things. You, I wrote down stoned and didn't want to be sad. You know, we both know that sin to drugs and alcohol, but I recognize the complexity of your situation and how sad you were. And mm -hmm. it would be logical to turn to things that would make you not sad. Mm -hmm. So this doesn't seem like it's open rebellion. What can I do to rebel against God or turn my back on the church? It's just part of mortality. Mm -hmm. And maybe God knew you would go through this period of time post-baptism. And maybe you also taught something really important. You, I wrote down these words, the Spirit kept checking in on me. And sometimes we think, and you perhaps didn't have the culture of growing up that, you know, that you're not worthy of God's love anymore because you're not worthy perhaps of a temple recommend. Mm -hmm. Um and you're not worthy to fill the spirit because you're not going to church. And I just believe your heavenly parents love you and they're going to have you fill the spirit, whether you're going to church or not. And that is your, that is not conditional. Mm -hmm. That is set because you're a child of God. And I love that you use this language. The spirit kept checking in on me. Um, and I just think you have to give yourself a lot of self-love and self-compassion. And that's me kind of talking to you that might be in a spot where justice is. And I think Satan doesn't win if you mess up, listeners. I think he mess wins if he can separate you from the love of God and feel like you've gone so far that you can't come back. Mm -hmm. And that you've turned your back on the church and your covenants and your people and there's no way back. 
-hmm. and you've blown it and you'll never be able to fix this. And that's to me where Satan wins. But somehow you had the maturity and the connection with the spirit and remembering those missionary discussions and a not a feeling that your futures changed because you went through this period of time. In fact, maybe you have more Christ-like attributes and understanding of empathy and compassion. This is an invitation to go. This is not an invitation to go. <laughs> Neither of us are ask, inviting anybody to go through a period of times of drugs and alcohol, but sometimes... Would that, not recommend it. <laughs> sometimes these experiences of mortality strengthen us in a way that's part of our mortal. Mm-hmm. I love this junior class friends. Junior class is usually a time, I'm going way back in the podcast, to where friend groups are kind of locked up. And especially if that junior class friends had been a friend group for an extended period of time, and then you show up in your junior year, and sometimes it's hard to break into a new group. But I love that there was a dynamic with this junior class of friends that are still your friends. Mm -hmm. And um, to me, that's one of the great, and that you were kind of an outsider as you came into high school. Um, You'd been in Germany, you, you know, you were not a member of the church, and that this group of friends practice the gospel of Jesus Christ and just helped you feel like you were part of their friend group. That's a great part of your story. Um, But just respect for being honest about this period of time. A lot of people join the church and perhaps go through a period of time. I think they, with best intentions on their baptism day, believe that they're going to not slip into the habits before they Mm -hmm. were baptized. And I think for some, I don't know what percent, it is a bit of a journey to just sort of put all those bad habits behind. And they we need to express, spend, yeah. extend a lot of self-love to ourselves mm. and not think we're back at square one. I think Satan wants to think we're back at square one and all is lost. Mm-hmm. And I think Christ would want you to think um, you're one day closer to putting all this behind you. And he'd fill you with hope and point you forward mm-hmm. Why Satan would point you backwards and reminding you of whatever. So those are just some thoughts for listeners that might be helpful, but it really is because you've been vulnerable enough to share your story, Justice. So respect, man. I love you to have you continue to talk. I don't know if you want to share your queer testimony at this point, or you have more things you want to share. I do, yeah. Um, yeah, I just kind of wanted to end with um, with my my queer testimony, um, as I put it, uh, just because. Um, I don't know. I hope my hope is that people, um, you know, anyone that might be listening to this podcast, um, I know, I just hope that, you know, my, my experience and my, you know, testimony and that, you know, refiner's fire that I went to in order to gain this testimony, um, I don't know. My hope is by sharing it that I might help ease the journey of others, you know, going through similar things. Um, so, so yeah, um, the, uh, so I have my, my career testimony broken down into four, uh, four main points, um, that help anchor me in my faith and, um, that I can turn to when, you know, when I do have, you know, those, 
you know, feelings of doubt or, you know, anxiety about the future and what that holds for me. Um, the first one is just, I know our heavenly parents love their queer kids just as much as they love their cisgender and heterosexual ones. Um, and that our heavenly parents do not make mistakes. Um, we are, we are made the way we are meant to be. And, you know, and that's perfect. <laughs> um, uh, the second one is, um, for me, the process of continuing revelation and the fact that we, you know, our church is a living one that's, um, constantly growing. Um, for me, that brings hope for the future. Um, and I know that his, that, you know, our heavenly parents and, um, our savior's plan for, queer people will be revealed. Um, and I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I know what that is. Um, uh, for me, I, I actively try not to speculate just because, you know, just cause I feel like that, who does that help? You know, I don't want to get too wrapped up in hypotheticals that I am not focused on what's happening right now and what I can do, you know, what I can do right now to increase my faith and, you know, strengthen others and things like that. Um, so yeah, just the, the fact that the, the church in its current form and the, the gospel in its current form is not complete is something that, um, I don't know. I just, it kind of excites me. It just, I look forward to the future and I look forward to what that brings. Um, uh, my third point is um, if queer people were not meant to play an important role in Zion, um, the adversary would not make it so hard <laughs> to live our lives. Um I, I have a very strong testimony of the fact um, of, of just the idea that um, if I'm doing something that I know logically is good, whether that's, you know, in a spiritual matter or not, but I am running into obstacles, whether, you know, that's mentally or emotionally or whatever it may be, I don't know, to me, that's an indication that I'm on the right track. Um, so something I try to keep in mind is, um, and something that just an idea that, um, I've been, um, toying around with is, um, yeah, just that idea of queer people have an important work to do. Um, on this earth and in the building of God's kingdom. Otherwise, you know, why would Satan bother in trying so hard to, you know, take us down? Um, and then that, uh, the fourth point that I have is um, being a queer Latter-day Saint um, is hard. It's, it's something that brings unique challenges and trials that are I think hard to, can be hard to understand and hard to empathize with if you're not experiencing them. Um, so 
Um, and uh, a thought that just came to my mind is um, because it might be hard to understand um, if you're not experiencing them, I think that's, um, it makes it just that much more important to talk about it and to, you know, and for, you know, queer members to not only just for queer members to bear their testimony, but for, you know, non-queer members, um, that, you know, want to better understand and, you know, become better allies to, you know, admit when they don't understand something and, you know, hope that other people can explain it. And, um, I don't know, people just need to talk to each other more basically. Um, and then for, for me in regards to, you know, those unique challenges and trials, um, uh, learning about the savior, um, and his atonement has done, it's been an absolute miracle to see how that has helped me, you know, work through a little bit of the cognitive dissonance that happens sometimes with being a queer member of the church. Um, and mainly that's just because, you know, no matter what I'm feeling, no matter what, you know, other queer members of the church are feeling, um, I know that he has felt that and he knows exactly what it is I'm going through and he knows exactly how to help. Um, you just have to let him. Um, so. Ooh. <laughs> um, but yeah, so. Yeah. That's my uh, queer testimony that I leave with you. It's a great testimony. About ten to 15,000 people just heard your testimony. Um, listeners, all these podcast guests are just heroic to me. Um, it's just an honor to have them on the podcast. Um, this is Justice Burt. He's 20 years old, and you think about the maturity of where he is, the experiences he's had, the wrestle he's had. He hasn't had much of an owner's manual of just this is how you do it. And I think he's done a remarkable job of just figuring out his sexuality, his path into the church, um, and just the God-given role, the God-driven role. That's not the right vocabulary to guide justice. And, and um just this wonderful testimony he has. He joined the church with sort of blinders off, if that's the right, you know, he understood what mm -hmm. it meant to be queer and Latter-day Saint. He's pretty informed. But I love some of the principles that he shares about how he navigates that is just sort of a take it one day at a time and rely on the Savior and mm -hmm. know that line upon line. And I love your testimony. And you have a great life ahead of you. You have an incredible foundation at age 20 of personal revelation and being authentic and honest and vulnerable, just great Christ-like attributes and a terrific foundation at a very young age. You're at peace with your sexuality, you're at peace with your faith journey, and I think that gives you just a great future. And um, sometimes I try to imagine my guests' older selves, their 25-year-old self, 30-year-old self, but I think your older selves will point back to this period of time as just a key part of your life, joining the church, getting this foundation, 
and making your way forward and the role that you'll play within the church and within many other circles. There's a whole other podcast in ASL with Gotcha and ASL, but I hope people picked up on that, that that's a profession that's once again giving back um, and helping people. And that seems to be who you are. So honored to have you on the podcast. I'm grateful for Brother Doug Christensen, your Salt Lake Community College Institute teacher. I think he teaches at the U also. Been teaching in the seminaries and institute program for many decades. He's a friend of mine from my high school. I'm grateful for all the people that teach in seminaries and institute, many that are doing a really good job talking about queer Latter-day Saints, involving them in the discussions, um, helping them feel like they belong, getting educated. I'm grateful for all these friends and priesthood leaders and missionaries and um, all the people you've kind of given a shout out to that have been helpful for you in your life. And if any of you are listening, Thanks for the good that you've done in Justice's life. And you can tell you've made a tremendous impact for good. So anything you'd like to add just in conclusion, Justice? Um, just, uh, I just want to thank you, Richard, for the opportunity to um, that I have to share my story. Um, and uh, yeah, I just, I really appreciate all the work you do to um, help you know, empower and uh, amplify the voices of, you know, queer people within the church. It's great. It's an honor. So this is Richard Osler and Justice Burt signing off from another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love. Mm-hmm.